Ridge Runner Nation, what is up? Welcome back to another Ridge Runners Live episode number 24. You are not going to want to miss this episode. You're definitely going to take time to sit down. Harvey Lewis and Jennifer Russo took the top spots at the Burning River 100 Mile Endurance Run, and it was awesome. What is going on, Ridge Runner Nation? How's it going? It's Cam Wrench, the sixth man of the nation, here tonight with Wesley Harton, the Pat McAfee of Ultra Running, um, bringing you the live show this week with the winners of the Burning River 100 Mile, uh, Jennifer Russo and Harvey Lewis, who is having some technical difficulties and will be joining us shortly. Uh, we didn't want to keep you all waiting too long while he hashed those things out. And uh, so we're going to be starting with just Jennifer right now. Um, but don't worry, Harvey will be here and we'll get to him too. Um, if you don't know who either of these guests are, I'm sure you're going to want to tune in. They both had absolutely great races at Burning River this weekend. Uh, they're two of the best ultra runners in the state, and it's going to be a really great show. So, uh, Jen, Wesley, how are you all doing tonight? Good, good. How are you guys? I'm doing great. I'm super excited for tonight's episode. Uh, Cam, what's our first question? You you know how this works now by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only I think uh, three or four shows in, I uh, kind of have it down a little bit. But uh, as usual, I'm going to kick things off with our typical first question. That is, what is everybody drinking tonight? Aha. Uh-huh. Do I have to go first? <laughs> it's all you. Well, sh- <laughs> I've got, you know, I was sharing earlier, I've got, you know, the trusty water. I always got to have that. Got my uh, my coffee, you know, just in case we go too long, right? And then I've got my summer, sh- my summer shanty beer or shandy beer here. Not open yet, but it, I think it's probably time, right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely past time. Okay. Uh, okay. Sure. We've got two Cincinnati guests on the show. So ironically, I just happened to pick up the Ryan Geist the Truth IPA nice. tonight. Um, just happened to work out that way. And uh, that is just is awesome. Uh, Cam, nice what are you drinking? So uh, I have here a Jackie O's Who Cooks For You uh, IPA, or I guess it's a hazy pale ale. Uh, in honor of Alex Jackson, who absolutely loves Jackie O's Brewery, who also PR'd at Burning River 100 this week. Uh, oh, nice. He's a close friend of me and Leslie's, uh, and we want to celebrate him. It'll be on tomorrow for the panel show about Burning River 100, and I'm sure he'll get enough love then, too. So uh, <laughs> You're giving him way too much praise right now. He doesn't need that. <laughs> so it was a big day for him. Yeah. <laughs> After the DNF last year, uh, either way. Um, Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Jen, if you could uh, start uh, taking us through a little bit of what happened with your race. You know, how was your training? Uh, okay. Were there any highlights or lowlights on the day? Any really memorable hallucinations? Uh, interactions <laughs> with volunteers or your crew? Uh, okay. Yeah, take, take us back to the beginning, like the training for the race, like when you sign up for it and like what it's okay. Well, I, first of all, I have to say I love Burning River. It was my first 100 in 2016, and it was just it was kind of magical. You know, I was, I was scared to death, but it was so much fun. I had a ball the entire time. So since then I've been wanting to go back, but it just never seems to work out. The date doesn't seem to work out. So I hadn't been back. In the meantime, I was doing a lot of other different kinds of things, like more technical and hilly courses. So, you know, just kind of some different stuff. So I was anxious to come back and I actually spent the time, the summer training for Bigfoot, uh, 200 out in Washington, but so sad, you know, like everything else, it got canceled. 
So I hadn't really been doing, you know, I hadn't been doing any speed work or anything. It was really just all about like the back-to-back long runs. You know, I was mentioning I'd been out to Shawnee a lot. I love it out there, you know, training on those hills and stuff. So I hadn't really, that was kind of the focus of my training over the summer, but a lot of, a lot of higher mileage than I'm used to, you know, a lot of back-to-back long runs and stuff. So, um, but then when that got canceled, I was kind of like, okay, you know, I was afraid to sign up for anything. I was afraid everything would be canceled. And then I heard Burning River was on. And I was like, yes, you know, I'll sign up for it and, and give it a shot. So going into it, I had no idea what to expect. The first time I ran it, it was, it took me almost 28 hours to do it, but I was out there having fun. And so this round I thought, okay, I looked at, you know, some of the past results. The course is different now too. It's, you know, the, it used to be the point to point. Now it's the out and back. So I was looking at the course and I was looking at, you know, some of the other runners and I thought, you know, most of my other races that are hillier, you know, take me a, a fair amount longer. So I thought, okay, is there any way I could do sub 24? That would be you know, like super cool. And then I looked at, you know, some of the past results and I thought, man, if I could do top five, I would just be on cloud nine. So I mapped out like kind of a, I scheduled, you know, finishing in 23 hours. I looked at it and I kind of laughed at myself. I'm like, yeah, right. You know, that's, that's not going to happen. But then I thought, you know what? I've never really like gone for it and pushed it. A lot of the races, like the mountain ones, I'm just out there, you know, having fun. And it's all about finishing, you know, finishing under cutoffs. But I wasn't so concerned about like, you know, you know, winning it. You had to win my age group now and then, but you know, nothing, nothing huge. So anyway, so I went into it kind of aggressively, but I have to say this, the start line, it was so different for everybody this year doing that wave start. And they did an amazing job. It never felt crowded and the atmosphere was so different. It just felt like, you know, it was good and bad, I guess, you know, you didn't have that super excitement of a, of a big race kicking off, but at the same time, it was very chill. You know, I just felt really kind of relaxed going into it. And I was talking to some other runners who said the same thing, you know, you, Sometimes when that gun goes off, you go out and you go out too fast because, you know, you're caught up and you don't want to get left in the back and, you know, all of those sorts of things. So it was nice, you know, and I, I ran a lot of miles this race by myself, whereas a lot of times I'll run with friends or, you know, you meet people along the way, but I was kind of focused on, you know, I met a lot of amazing people out there and I ran, I shared some miles with some really great people some, and a few laughs, but also just a lot of quiet miles, which was kind of nice. So I really kind of enjoyed that. Um, so I didn't really like a lot of races, you know, you have these big stories about everything that goes wrong. Nothing, you know, nothing major went wrong. Uh, it was just, it was a lot of fun out there. And I had one thing I was sharing before is I had no idea what place I was in. You know, I, I, you can't tell, you know, you, you start in different waves. I had no idea. And so I was excited to start seeing like who the winners were, you know, like around mile 40, I started, I was running with someone at that point. I'm like, I can't wait to see who's coming in. And somebody's like, yeah, Harvey's running. I'm like, Oh, Harvey's running. Well, he'll be first. And so sure enough, I guess when I was at like mile 42 or something, I see Harvey just strolling down, you know, crushing it, you know, looking as relaxed as ever, smile on his face, just, you know, having a great race, it seems. So that was, that was fun. And then I was kind of counting the men to see, you know, kind of who all was behind him. And then I was looking for the female leader and, you know, and I, we did, I was looking for a while. And then I saw this gal just, she was just crushing it. She was in a white hammer shirt and she was just, she looked like she was winning it. You know, she just looked like she was having a great day and looked really good. So anyway, so I saw her come streaming by and and then I kind of lost track of, you know, who was doing relays, who was in, who was running the hundred milers. I wasn't really sure. And when I rolled into 50, I ran into a gal I know. She's like, you're doing really good, but nobody ever said, you know, you're in the top five, you're, you know, you're doing really good. Cause I don't even know what people knew because, you know, with the whole wave start and everything. So anyway, so I was having a lot of fun out there, the, the sun and the, 
towpath, you know, those sections get kind of brutal. Everybody was kind of melting <laughs> a little bit, but it went pretty well. And then um, when I got to about before Sound of Music Hill, I want to say 65, there was a photographer up at the top and I got up to the top of the hill and I'm running down. And he's like, hey, wait, he's like, I think you're second female in 13th or 14th overall. And I stopped and I turn around. I go, no, I'm not. I go and I start telling him reasons why I'm not. He's like, stop talking, start running. Nobody's running down that hill like you are. Go, you know, go catch them. He's like, but some of those people, some of those guys don't look so good. You can go get them. And I'm like, okay. So I ran. (laughs) But anyway, so everything went pretty smooth. I didn't have a career pacer. So I had, I was carrying way too much stuff. I stopped to get headlamps and I picked up four of them because I had some battery issues. So you know, there was all those kinds of little things, you know, like packs chafing because I stuffed too much stuff in there and I couldn't, I was having trouble eating. So I kept packing more gels and stuff in. I don't know what I thought I was going to do with them, but <laughs> just kept putting them in there. But then anyway, it was, it was a, it was a great night. I shared some just quiet time by myself running. It was really nice. And then I guess it was around mile 85, um, that I saw these two ladies in front of me. And as I got closer, I realized one was the, the lady I'd seen in the lead earlier. And I was I was shocked. I was like, oh my gosh, is that, is that her? And like, could that, you know, does that, what does that mean? And so I passed them like, Hey, you know, how you doing? And I got by her and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I think, I think that was the, the first place lady. I'm like, oh, does that mean I'm in first? And I started kind of freaking out and then I got really nervous <laughs> and I just kept running and I'm like, okay, calm down. Don't do, you know, so now it's all about, you know, if, if, if I really am in first, don't do anything stupid, right? You know, don't, don't trip, don't go too fast and bonk, just, you know, stay calm. And I'm like, it doesn't really matter what place I'm in. I'm probably in the top five. It's all good. Just finish the race, you know, have a good time. Um, but that, that was, that was fun. Um, and so then I, as I went along, I, I was feeling pretty good, passed a few other people. And it was interesting because coming into the finish, I still really had no idea. And I crossed the finish line and, you know, it's, I guess it was three in the morning, you know, totally different than another race. You know, it's three in the morning. It's dead quiet. Nobody's out there. And they're like, oh, hey. And they're like, uh, first place female, I think. But but we don't really know. And we can't say that because, you know, the waves start. But, well, wait, let me look. Yeah, I don't think there's a mate close to you. So it was just so funny because, you know, they're like, well, you won, I think. <laughs> but I was, I have to say, I was absolutely in shock, you know, when, when people were telling me I was in second and then, you know, anyway, and then the, the top 10 thing. So that was, I have to say for me, this was super exciting. <laughs> it was a lot yeah. of fun. It sounds like it. Uh, for everyone on YouTube watching now, if you're in the comments section, uh, feel free to ask any questions to either of our two guests. Obviously you see that Harvey's officially joined us. So Harvey, welcome to the show. You're hey, just- Harvey. Thank you. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I'll be late. Oh, no worries. <laughs> no worries at all. Great to- we're, Great we're just to join to you guys. Yes. Yeah. So, so what, what was your start time, Jennifer? And was that, uh, have you, you've, you've run this race before? I did. I ran it in 2016. It was my first hundred and it was super fun. I started at um, four. So I projected a 24 hour finish, which I honestly did not, wasn't sure that I could do, but I was going for it. You know, I've never really gone for it. Um, but I started at uh, 4.33. Or 436. I can't remember. 433, I think. So, yeah. And uh, did you like that start time? I mean, uh, you know, it, for, for me, I, I've, uh, I think that that was actually my start time was 4 a.m. I think that was the earliest start time I've had for a race. Yeah. And uh, it, it was fine. 
Yeah. Uh, what I did it in did you like it? Well, in 2016, the start time was four and I had to take a bus to the start. So I got, and it was my first hundred. So I got zero sleep. So honestly, the 4.30, I was kind of like, woo, I get an extra, you know, half an hour and I don't have to be bused to the start. But, you know, it was good and bad. The good thing was, especially because this one was faster for me, when I got done, I, you know, it was the middle of the night. I could like go and try and sleep as opposed to, you know, it's daylight and <laughs> now what do I do, Right. So it wasn't awful and it was, you know, it was cooler. That helped a lot, right? You know, because the day got so hot. So that, that early start time was kind of nice. Was it was it too early for you? Did you want to sleep in? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, <laughs> I guess uh, I just, whenever they put me out, I'm fine. Like 11 yeah. p.m. for bad water, you know. <laughs> 4 a.m. for this race. You know, some really other matter, races, 12 yeah. noon. Yeah. You know, it varies so much. So I always right. try to, whatever the conditions are, I just say it's the best conditions possible, no matter yeah. what. But exactly. it was a little hard because I, I did come from uh, Circleville. So I left at 12, I got up at like 12.50 and I left at like 1 a.m. Yeah. And I drove to the start. And mm-hmm. so you know, I basically had very little sleep Friday night. Right. And I was already a little bit tired from the previous, you know, event. I can't so, imagine why. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, it, yeah, it was, um, but it wasn't bad. You know, it was, it was actually yeah. really, I love that aspect of the race. It was very beautiful. Yeah. Because when we started, you know, it's something special about running at nighttime. Right. And I love seeing the lights of the other runners uh, yeah. off in the distance in the woods. Like it was right. really beautiful. And right. then as this, this sky uh, light, you know, started to get dusk, um, there were just so many interesting aspects. Like the the, the uh, mist was really uh, thick. Yeah. And that was beautiful to me. And then mm-hmm. seeing, you know, the day go where you get to such a hot, humid day. And right. I, I'm really curious what the actual temperature would be when adjusted for like humidity. Like, does anyone know what? What that was. I, it was, I know it was like 91 degrees, but when you yeah. adjust it for the high humidity, it really feels well over a hundred. Right. Yeah. I think they, I think they said heat index was like, you know, the mid upper nineties, but with bad water, were you, did it bother you much or? Which the aspect? Heat? The, the, heat. the heat in the race? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking, yeah, you know, yeah. no, <laughs> bad water. No, actually, uh, yeah, no, the, uh, the, the heat in the race, um, I knew that would be an asset for me. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah. know, like it's, uh, I, I didn't think that there would be anyone that would be able to, you know, deal with the heat quite as well as I do. Cause I've just got right. so much heat experience. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I knew that was at least one, one advantage going into the race. You know, if it was, uh, 10 or 12 degrees cooler, you know, the, the guy from Michigan and also from Seattle would have been much more challenging. I had to work right. hard. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, that definitely was, um, helped me for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's something I definitely felt as well. Like everyone, I felt it, but I had to, you know, a lot of adapting to like the heat. So during the daytime, I was making sure that I had, you know, all my body covered from like the UV yeah. Like in the areas that were wooded. Uh, mm-hmm. So like uh, whenever we were on like the bike path and, or, and um, that section and also uh, like through the field and uh, areas like the towpath where they, they 
were not covered by the woods. You know, that sun was really uh, intense. So mm-hmm. having, I noticed like very few people actually wore like uh, arm sleeves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I didn't see many, that many people, or at least some people didn't seem to put sunblock on. Yeah. I was surprised about. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it, the, the arm sleeves, like when I'm running against someone and I see my competitors and I know that they're not doing certain things I know are, are really advantageous, mm-hmm. it gives me a mental edge. Yeah. So, I mean, seeing like that the other three people that were trailing or whatever were not doing certain things that they should be doing that mm-hmm. would, would reduce the heat impact. And mm-hmm. I already know that you know, heat is something that I like to put myself into Mm-hmm. And that gives me a, a, an added mental edge because I know that they're they're carrying more effort in areas that they, they could carry less effort. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. That's but sure. uh, yeah, so the heat was a definite advantage for me. Mm-hmm. So one thing I want to talk about real quick, Jennifer, like you mm-hmm. are one of the most humble people. Uh, just like looking at your what you said about your race so far and the performance that you've had pro- previous to this, like you said, you didn't feel like you were, should be in this position. You just couldn't be in this <laughs> second place or whatnot. But at Chattanooga 100 earlier this year, you placed in the top five. And then No Business 100, you placed in the top 10 last year. And the Cruel Jewel 100, you were top 10 as well. So what was it like? What were the emotions like for you crossing that finish line, knowing that you might have won the race? I mean, you didn't know for sure, like you mentioned. But like, what was that feeling like to know I might have just won this thing? I was shocked. You know, I'll be honest. I was, it was pure shock because that's just, you know, I've I've never, I've never outright. Well, there was a a small hundred K, you know, that I won outright and that was super fun, but I don't know. It still feels like, you know, the the people talk about the imposter syndrome. I think I still kind of have some of that, (laughs) but I don't know. It, It was a great feeling, but it was so funny too. So I don't know. Like I almost cried to be honest, but at the same time, it was kind of anticlimactic because I'm like, well, did I win? I think you won. You know what I mean? It was, it was kind of like n- not really sure, but it was an amazing feeling. And when people kept telling me throughout the day, you know, they're like, you, you know, I think you might be in second. I'm thinking there's no way, you know? So it was, it was super exciting. And I feel like, um, a lot of the the races I've done, some of the harder ones like Cruel Jewel and Eastern States there, I never, I was always afraid to push very much on those or, or, you know, a lot of races just because I'm afraid, you know, I, I, you see all the people that start out too fast and, you know, then they, they're, they're done, you know, they're not able to finish because they started out too fast. And so I guess that's always kind of been a fear of mine, but I, I did say to a few people, I'm like, I hope I don't blow up because I, you know, I felt great. I don't, I didn't feel like I started too fast, but I was kind of afraid that that might've been an issue and that I might blow up. But yeah, I, I can't even tell you, it was amazing. It was a wonderful, wonderful feeling, you know, something, something new for me. So, yeah. So Jennifer, what do you think was the, uh, the strong, you 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 ran your personal best race too four hundred is that right? Is that your I'm sorry. Best? Was that yes. your personal best? It I did a little virtual five k and a half mile thing where I did do it faster. But yeah, I mean this was trail only, so this is yes by far my personal best. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, but your fastest hundred miler was that your yes. fastest hundred miler? Yeah. I mean, it's really impressive because it's a it's a more challenging hundred miler than like if you go to Tunnel Hill. I mean, you're, you're, you're going right. to run a lot faster. Oh, so, sure. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, what was the uh, number one thing that you feel like you really um, excelled in with this? Was like, was it pacing the first half to match the second half? Or was it like nutrition that you did really well? 
or was there just like you felt like you physically trained really hard for this or was there just everything seemed to come together well? Yeah, everything went pretty well. I was telling these guys, I, I was training for Bigfoot over the summer. I was supposed to do Bigfoot 200. So I, I did have more mileage under my belt than I usually do. But it was very much long, slow hills, not speed work or anything. So I really did not know where I would be with this race. You know, when I was shooting for sub 24, I had no idea if that was realistic or not because I wasn't, I didn't do any of the speed work or anything. So I don't know. I honestly got lucky. <laughs> I felt very good and relaxed in the beginning. I didn't like over, you know, I had kind of certain times I went to hit certain age stations, but I didn't really, um, I didn't ever feel like I was pushing too hard, I guess. And I'm usually really good about drinking. Like I know a lot of people get in trouble when they don't drink enough water. Um, I did have a little bit issue with food, like trying to find good foods. Cause I know with the whole COVID, you know, they were really limited on what they could have. So that was a little bit of a struggle, but you know, I don't know. I think I, I felt very calm and relaxed the whole time. And I think um, to just running a lot of more miles by myself than I usually do was good for me. Just, you know, I was able to just kind of run my own race and I was able to just really kind of take it all in and enjoy it. And I don't know, it just, it, I, I got lucky. I had a good day and, and, and felt good. So we have a question in the chat kind of going off that Dave Clay as Dave Clay 24 asked, it was a super hot day out there. And I heard there was like a 50% drop rate at the race. How are you able to maintain your hydration uh, like specifically out on the course? So I usually do mostly all water. You know, I had a big hydration pack and I had a bottle. So I probably, I kept thinking, wouldn't it be nice to run with a handheld? It's so much less weight, you know, it'd be so freeing, but I, you know, especially with the heat, I thought I'd much rather have the water if I need it. So just a two liter bladder and a handheld. And I'm, I'm, I get thirsty a lot. So I drink a lot. There was at one point where I felt a little dehydrated, but the heat doesn't seem to bother me too much. So really just, you know, with that, I think, especially when you've got a bladder and you've got that hose, it's easy to just keep drinking. And I did also, um, use the hammer, um, the heat. And that I think was helpful too. And salt. Yeah. I did take some of the salt pills that, that I think is crucial. Like when, for me anyway, when you're on a hot day like that. That's awesome. Yeah. It was super awesome to kind of follow the, your race around race along on run sign up or whatnot when they're providing some tracking. So it was fun on our end watching you, uh, excel well, thank you. across the finish line. I was, I was awake. So I was up and oh, wow. <laughs> shot some text and whatnot. I was like, generally, so just one running over hundred. So it was super you knew exciting. Before I did. What? You knew before I did. Uh, well, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Maybe I guess something could have still happened, but, uh, yeah, it was awesome. So, uh, congratulations on your, well, thank you. Thank uh, you so Har much. It was fun. Harvey, kind of transitioning over to your race now. Uh, first off, do you have a beverage tonight? Are you drinking anything? Yeah. And I noticed that my, my friend's wife's pulling up in the corner here. I don't know if it says Barbara Sharpie, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, my beverage is my, uh, orange juice and this is uh fresh squeezed orange juice. This stuff is uh dynamite. Yeah. I like, uh, tastes straight off, like off the, the Florida trees. And, uh, I don't mind spending a little extra money for it, <laughs> but I can never get enough orange juice. I love it so much to be honest with you. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. A little quick tip here. I think if you go to the gear icon on the Zoom, 
uh, you should be able to like click edit name and you may be able to change that on the fly. I can kind of keep talking here. Uh, your orange sheet matches <laughs> your, uh, your trip <laughs> card. <laughs> but uh, I think I'll get thanks for teaching next week though. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so people are curious on like, uh, obviously going in this race, um, for you, it was a little different after doing a, a little adventure a couple weeks prior. Uh, <laughs> what was your mindset going into the burning over a hundred and how was your training leading up to it and with everything? Yeah, well, uh, I had talked to Jim and the race organizers and expressed an interest in running, uh, especially after, uh, bad water was, was, uh, canceled in July. And I wasn't a hundred percent sure if uh, I was going to be able to put together the 146 because I was kind of waiting to make sure uh, that certain elements came together, that there wouldn't be any uh, restrictions on the park side or with the state or county. And so I was really fortunate that I was able to do that, but I still signed up for the Burning River 100. So <laughs> I like, you know, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to still come up and like, you know, I committed to doing that race with them and I didn't want to like not, not come up and do it. And plus it's in Ohio. So it's, it's, uh, the last time I, I only raced at one time was in 2010 when it was just a straight, you know, uh, point to point course. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, uh, in terms of Ohio, I mean, I think that uh, Mohican and Burning River are like two, the two major 100 mile races in the state. Uh, when you're talking about trail races. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so I, I really, I, I, between Badwater 146 and uh, Burning River was only 11 days. So I basically just did my thing with like eating plant-based foods, getting enough sleep, doing hot and cold treatments, visiting Mr. Miyagi, who's my, my buddy does ART once or twice. And, uh, you know, just stretching, like, um, nothing major, you know, I really only ran like a few miles a day, um, but I ran every day. Uh, and then, uh, you know, going into the race, I, I just, um, I, I wanted to be competitive and try to win the race. Um, but, uh, you know, I really didn't know how my body would do, or if someone would show up, that's going to really run like a 16 you know, hour, you know, 100 miler and, be like really knocking a ball out of the park. Um, but I thought that, you know, I, based on like the previous years and times that I probably had a good shot if I could execute well. And, um, but uh, yeah, I didn't feel like, you know, necessarily a 100% for sure. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. The week before I, I always I have a thing where I run back and forth to work every day and I've been doing it since 2013 and it's not that far of a run. It's like three miles, but a lot of your, uh, a lot of days I'll add on to extra distance. But last week I ran, uh, two of the five days I ran home from work, I actually fell down on the concrete. So that's a big indicator that I'm pretty tired. <laughs> um, maybe it was just the day of work. I don't know. Maybe it's just, uh, my legs were tired, but including Friday when I ran home from work is only three miles. And I ran home from work at a very leisurely pace, just nice and gentle. And I managed to fall down like two miles, uh, you know, a mile away from my house. I mean, I roll with it. I, I'm no problem. Um, but going into the race, getting like four hours of sleep after that and starting to race, you know, early on, you know, was not, uh, you know, 100%. But 
Um, I, fortunately, I, it's uh, it's like a chess match to me, and I like to play chess, uh, you know, in terms of running. And uh, it, I feel like it, I can make it um, – if I execute really well, which I can, um, I'm, I'm pretty good with things like pacing, nutrition. Um, I don't have any, I'm, I may not be the fastest uh, person in the country in terms of like the, the hundred miler, like Jim Walmsley. Um, but I feel like I have uh, no weaknesses, no weeks, no weak spots, you know? So if I can, uh, run uh, competitively and make it very difficult for someone to, you know, it, make, it makes a very, a very good challenge for any of the top runners because uh, they're going to have to really uh, run a, a very good race to, to get, to get me if I'm, if I'm in that competitive mindset. And um, I don't know, that doesn't sound very humble, does it? <laughs> well, I need to take some like lessons from Jennifer. What in the world? But uh you know, yeah, so going into the race, I, I thought I might have a shot, but I knew it was going to be competitive. I knew there was, um, you know, at least four guys who were um, gunning for around that 18-hour or less mark. And because uh, that's where the, the winning time was in uh, last year or the year before that. And uh, so I started off the race um, probably too fast um, based on my um, energy level for that day. Um, I ran the first, uh, 50 miles, at, um, in pretty close to like, I think eight hours and like maybe 15 minutes. And that was with getting lost four times. <laughs> so, uh, which is no fault of the race. That was my fault. I, 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 I was like half asleep, I guess in the morning, <laughs> but I made the mistake of, uh, you know, eat. One lesson you should always know, and I, sh I should have known it from doing the Appalachian Trail, is not to follow the person in front of you. You, yeah. you got to be your own you know, uh, judge, and you shouldn't just blindly follow the person in front of you, but it's very easy to do, especially when you're a little bit tired or uh, human nature is to take the, the easier route. So like um, in one, one particular spot, we there was a, a marking on the ground and uh, I was following the runner in front of me and he went straight for about, a, uh, maybe about, mm, about a half a mile. And then I was like, Hey, I, I was seeing more of those flags. Have you seen any of those flags lately? He's like, Oh shoot. Yeah. So we turned around. There was another guy that made the same mistake and it, it was my bad. It was not like the fall of the race. They had a marking there. Um, I should like pick that up, but the, the, that's a, a big challenge. And, uh, you know, I knew at that point, you know, that the time wasn't as big of an issue as the mental aspect. And that could be something that could be relayed to everyone watching it. And I'm sure other people have been lost on a course before too. Uh, that's actually my record. I don't think I ever got lost four times, but it wasn't like big loss. Like, I mean, three, of the, three of the times were like, I got off by like 200 meters or something, you know, less than that. And, um, I think maybe some of that was because I was a little sleepy, uh, in the, in the beginning of the race. Um, it, it didn't happen in the second half of the race. Once I knew the race, then I didn't let it happen again. But in the first half, I didn't know the race course. And, you know, so I made that mistake, but it's mentally, it can get in your head and you mm -hmm. can make yourself defeated by 
getting yourself into negative thinking by getting off course. So uh, that was really important to try to like make it to write that and uh, just enjoy the opportunity to, to run with some other runners. So like that, that gave me a chance to run with a guy named Jay uh, who was uh, running from Oregon. Like he, he was originally from Ohio and he was in, a, in that area um, this summer with his father, but it was really neat having like that interaction with that, that fella. Um, he said he loved Ohio. Like he, he said it was even more amazing than Oregon. And it was really nice to hear that like about our state, you know, that was really special. So I took that as an opportunity. Like I wouldn't have had that encounter with that man had I not like, you know, gone off course. So you have to make some positive right. from, you know, negative aspect of mm-hmm. having to do a little extra effort. You know? So, and then the other thing I, I kind of made a little miss, it, it was okay, but it was a little mistake is, um, after I got lost, I purposely like did my best to like catch up to the leaders. And so I ran, uh, probably like, uh, many of my, many of the 10 miles after that, I ran at like an eight minute pace, uh, or a little faster than that. And so like, I'm thinking in my head, okay, I've given up 16 minutes and that 16 minutes would have been so nice. If you, if you take it over 30 miles like that would be an extra 30 seconds a mile i could just like do whatever (laughs) so it's like i had to take that thinking and get it out and just think okay revamp you know revamp and like forget that negative talk you gotta think positive and that's what i'm sure jennifer was experiencing during the race and other aspects you know you have to always you know you know uh focus on the positive or you will uh, self-destruct, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and then, uh, fortunately I was able to just kind of, you know, uh, keep plotting forward and, um, just kept on moving, uh, along the course. But yeah, the first half of the course, I ran a lot faster than the second half, but it was also hot, hotter mm-hmm. in the second half mm-hmm. too. Yeah, no, that's that's crazy. So you let you you led from the start. Did like did any like did you ever get passed by anyone or what was like that dynamic like? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, I led for like the first um, maybe nine miles, <laughs> and then I got lost. So then I was in like fourth or fifth place, and then I think it took me to like maybe mile forty or forty five, maybe forty, about mile forty before I finally um got back to first place again so it was even even with that added effort for like 10 miles running very quickly for a 100 mile race um where i knew i was like anytime i'm running a race i know that if i'm running a 100 mile race like this than an 845 pace i'm taking time off my finish time by running mm-hmm. faster at that pace so if i'm running like an eight minute pace unless it's like down a hill I know like for every mile I run at an eight minute pace versus eight fifty pace or eight forty-five pace, I'm taking one or two minutes off my finish time. Like in terms of like making it slower because I, I use too much effort in that section. So uh but I strategically wanted to do that because I want to place myself near the leader so that if he was making a move, then I was able to make a move and match that. So I could like stay stay near where where they were. So I, I just playing the game of chess, you know? Mm-hmm. 
It's such a fine line trying to figure out like, you know, what that pace is. And it's so neat. You've got all the experience to really know, damn it, that honed in, but yeah. Yeah. It's always the best part about an ultra is just the mental battle that you have with yourself <laughs> yes. and the competitors. Cause you're trying to mm-hmm. sort of like fake that you make it. So you don't seem like, Oh, I'm hurting right now. And this person <laughs> that's behind me, but right. uh, that's so when did you, after you said you made the pass at mile 40, when did you know, okay, I, this is my race to lose. I have to stay focused here and get to the finish line. Well, um, I mean, I knew that there was no guarantee until I actually finished the race, you know, because uh, like Jennifer was saying, like even, you know, the last uh, 10 miles, I mean, actually uh, the second place guy ran a phenomenal race uh, from Michigan and at mile, uh, I believe it was about mile 65, uh, he had pulled within only uh, 10 minutes like of, of me and it was challenging because uh i had started the race uh nine minutes before him um but so then if he had caught up to me then he would actually be ahead of me so uh it it worked out really well how we had the release as we did during the COVID period and i felt like the race organizers did a really good job and we can do this with other races in the future um but from a racing standpoint i actually like releasing at the same time so that way that, you know, if, if it's me and another person, I feel like I'm, uh, because I have a lot of racing experience, I can do a lot of things to get a couple minutes ahead of them. But if they pull right next to me, it's, it's harder to get nine minutes ahead of them. You know, it's, I, I feel like that, so that makes it a little more challenging. It made, it made me have to work and ensure that they didn't get that close. And he did a really good job. Uh, he ended up finishing, I think, about uh, maybe 40, 30, 40 minutes behind me. But there was a point where he was really trying to, to push it. And his team was really good. They were trying to help him. And they were, like, timing me and timing him and, you know, trying to edge him, like, to come on, keep <laughs> going, keep going. So he, he didn't let me, you know, win easily or anything like that. It was, it was definitely I was trying really hard. To and I was uh, mile ninety to hundred. I was like, oh, I would just keep on pushing, keep on pushing. I was very tired, uh, very tired. But uh, you know, from the very start of the race, I felt like I had a, a chance to win. Um, from the very start, like just uh, I just felt like I, I, if I if I do things, I run my own race. You know, I, I have that chance to win the race. Like just, uh, but it was uh it was not easy like that that it, it, there were definitely elements in that race it, it's a beautiful beautiful race I, I really liked the uh different places that you see the mm-hmm. uh the crushed limestone path like was really neat to see. there was a lot of college runners and people were keeping their distance but there were people in the community there were co- collegiate runners who were out there running it was really neat to see them there mm-hmm. were people out there walking their dogs uh, there were parts that were like uh, kind of like Hawking Hills. They had like the rock area. There were um, beautiful ponds we went by. You know, I was really impressed by just the beauty of the area. So that's another thing that I try to take in when I'm when I'm tired, and uh, I try to take in the energy of the natural surrounding. And uh, you know, it, it helped, but it was really it was a challenging race because you have a lot of 
not, not so many rocks and roots and, and technical issues. I mean, it's not a very technical race, um, but you have a good amount of like up and down, up and down in certain areas. And then that heat really is impact. It, it really is an impact. I mean, you're going to run quicker if you're in cooler, uh, cooler temperatures. Mm-hmm. So, but that was part of the fun of it. I mean, that's a, it's why we do ultras. We don't try to do ultra because we try to find it the easiest environment. It's like, that's what makes burning river, burning river. And that's what makes it special and fun to run, you know, cause you want a race that's going to be challenging and not just like the easiest race per se, you know? So that was cool. And uh, yeah, so it was really fun seeing all the other runners out there. They, they were amazing. Like so much fun to see uh, every single person. It's so much fun to see them. That's awesome. So one thing that I was kind of curious about is, I mean, I, I'm sure everyone has seen pictures from the race now, but if you haven't go over to the burning river social media pages and check out their photographer, cause he was absolutely awesome all day long, but your bib in the pictures, obviously your bib said dream big. What does that mindset mean for the people that are watching us? Uh, and also, oh, it, well, uh, the photographer is amazing. Uh, Jesse Kokotek, uh, uh, he is from uh, Florida, and he made the trip all the way up to, wow. to uh, Burning River uh, on his own volition. Uh, you know, Jesse's a phenomenal photographer, and he, he loves uh, photographing nature and also runners and specifically ultra marathons. So this was his first endeavor into Ohio. So, uh, you know, we were so, so grateful to have him. Um, yeah, just an amazing guy. All right, get back to your question again. Can you say it one more time? What, what were you wanting? So, so your bib uh, said you dream big. big. So, so, um, yeah, so the, the dream big is uh, just like a, a, a mantra I have that uh, is really uh, gets to all of us that, you know, go after big things, uh, whatever that is, it, it, you know, whatever just – I get to, I, I was kind of pulled back to when I uh, broke my neck in 2004 and I was in this uh, like cataclysmic car wreck uh, where I thought that I was going to die that day. And I was like, um, it was really a incredible um, experience. Uh, and it was, and I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to survive that and um, break my neck, uh, have like, you know, um, just another opportunity for life. And so, you know, if you think about life is so fragile and for me, running this race was actually, I dedicated to a a really um, amazing guy uh, for me. Uh, Mike Renovitz, uh, who was on our Cliff Bar Pace team, and he had passed away the week um, the weekend before, and uh, so we were pacers, and we had spent like eight years together running these races all over the country. And he's just the funniest guy I know. Um, but uh, you know, we 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 really he really lived life um, when we were together on the Cliff Bar team, and. Yeah, I think it's just, uh, you know, life is, uh, is, is so precious. So, you know, we have to go after whatever it is, whatever that is for everyone. Everyone has their own dream big. But, uh, you know, th- think big and go for big things 
whatever that may be, yeah, with, with relationships or work or uh, community or volunteering, whatever that is, you'll go after it because, uh, you know, this, this is the time. I don't know about anyone else right now, but I got goosebumps. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was actually incredible. Uh, yeah, that's it's awesome. That's one thing I, I remember I saw it on your bib and I just like had to ask you about it. Um, that's just super amazing. So uh, everyone in the chat, if you still have questions, make sure you get those in there for our two lovely guests. We're kind of going to just transition to general trail and ultra talk with these two because we still got some time. These two are absolutely awesome guests. So uh, for those of you that do not know, Jennifer is a race director of Empower Ultras, and you can find them at Empower Ultras on Instagram and other social platforms. I just want to talk about uh, that experience for you, Jennifer. What's it like uh, being a race director? We had Nettie Zapatella on last week, and mm -hmm. she's also yep. co-race director there. Uh, so it's kind of funny you guys are on back-to-back -back episodes. But talk a little bit about that experience of being a race director. So it's so fun. Uh, Nettie and I have run a bunch of races together, and we often talked about, you know, would this be fun? And she actually directed um, on a volunteer basis for ORRRC, the Ohio River Road Runners Club. That's a mouthful, isn't it? But she did, she volunteered for uh, several years, four years, I think, doing a lot of races there. And I've got a marketing background and I've got my own marketing company. And we were talking about, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't this be a lot of fun? So about a year ago, we decided to go into business together and put on some races. Well, darn COVID is kind of... <laughs> <laughs> stomped on a lot of our plans, but we did manage to put on, um, our first run was last January. It was called the night owl and it was a trail marathon up at Caesar Creek. We had a full marathon, a half, and then a 10 K huge, huge response. We had, we sold out, we had all these people on the wait list, but we wanted to keep it kind of small for the first one, but we had, everybody had such a great time. You know, it was so much fun to run at night. It's great training. And then we had a timed event too, that, um, unfortunately COVID forced us to go virtual, but we're super excited. I love coming at it from the other side of this and just watching runners. Our biggest thing is that, you know, we want, we want to give people great races. We want them to have fun and we will cheer for them with our whole heart and do whatever we can to, to bring them success. So super rewarding, lots of fun. And we're, we can't wait to be able to get out there and put some more on as soon as we get over this hump. But yeah. So thanks for asking about that. It's super fun. Yeah. You had a, your, your virtual run was a vertical challenge, I believe. And it was 25 K and a 50 K distance. So we right? did, we've had, we've had two actually. So okay. we had, we had the climbing challenge. Yes. And it was how much can you climb, you know, in a, in a 50 K and a 25 K. So that Nettie and I did it too. That was a lot of fun. And then um, before that we had the vernal equinox, which was an eight, 12 and 24 hour run. You know, one of those events, like in that period of time, it was a three mile loop. How far can you run? So our permits got pulled cause it was in April. Um, but we, we offered a virtual option and a lot of people did that. And since, we couldn't all be together. Nettie and I socially distancing went around and like cheered all of the people on. So we really wanted to give them as much of a race experience as we could. So we, they tell us where they were running and we'd go out and we'd cheer them on. We made signs and, and went to visit everybody throughout the night as they were running. So that, you know, we did the best we could to, to make it feel as real as possible. So it was a lot of fun. One thing that I was inspired by, like just looking at the Instagram page, was the featured runners section. What does it take to be on uh, one of the featured runners there? <laughs> you know, not a lot. Sign up for the race, and you'll get a feature. I'm, I'm, I'm very serious. You sign up for the race, and we'll, we'll, you know, if you will share your stuff with us, we will feature you. So awesome. come sign up. <laughs> yeah, go over to Empowered Ultras. They've got a website on Facebook and Instagram. We'll put the link in the description and. Uh, you can be featured of one of the featured runners. So, yep, we're getting on, we're getting on uh, that website page here. 
soon. We'll have that up soon. Awesome. Awesome. Yep. So Harvey, right. you kind of, uh, go, for, go for it, Cam. <laughs> it's okay. Welcome back. Um, yeah. Uh, so I wanted to um, get to a couple more things that are in the chat. So Kevin Ford and Chadwick Robinson uh, have both mentioned that they are both also teachers and they both were really inspired by seeing uh, Harvey out there on the purse because he's also a teacher. Um, I wanted to share that. But then Chadwick had something else to say. And uh, he put it in all caps, but I'm not going to shout it, uh, which is, what are each of your guys' guilty pleasures food-wise that you're embarrassed about? So maybe don't go that far if you're really embarrassed about something, but uh, what are your uh, post-race guilty pleasures? I had pancakes the other day. <laughs> uh, are we talking about when we're anytime or race time? <laughs> uh, let's say anytime. Why not? Well, you know, uh, my honey, uh, Kelly, she, she gets really grossed out by some of the things I eat. <laughs> so um, some things I'm not allowed to eat in the house. So, uh, for example, uh, I like uh, kimchi, uh, like Korean kimchi. I like that. And she's like, no, you cannot eat that in the house. It smells too vile. And I like, I actually like seaweed. I like this, uh, Costco sells these packs of 12, like dry seaweed. And I actually use a lot of that doing the 146 because it's got a lot of sodium in it. Um, but the only drawback is that you, you need to probably like brush your teeth or like wash some water because you're going to get like little green pieces in your teeth. <laughs> so uh, the, dry, the seaweed is really good. I, I actually really, I rave by that. That's, that's like jet fuel. Okay. But, yeah. that, but that's, that's, not, uh, that's probably, I have a lot of really other eccentric things I eat. Um, you know, I eat vegan food. So, um, you know, I, I love all kinds of like vegetables. You know, pretty much anything that's, you know, that's vegan, I, I pretty much eat. So the guilty pleasure, Harvey, like, you know, really bad for you, like potato chips and ice cream. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, a lot of that. Well, okay. Um, well, yesterday I shared this picture of like my my uh, food at school that I ate. And I had all this like, you know, guacamole and hummus and, and um, you know, sweet peas and things in there. Uh, but I ate a whole box of popsicles for lunch. As there well. you go. The whole box. <laughs> That's that okay. more now like you're... a guilty pleasure. Yeah. There you right. go. Now you're good. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's awesome. Cam, as the host, we're excluded from this question. We don't have to answer this. That's just how the, how the rules work here. So. <laughs> yes. yes, that's good. Mm -hmm. I'm well known as a person who has never had any guilty pleasure. From <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Harvey, I want to talk about, we've just got some time here. I want to talk about the 146. So we've kind of hinted at it before, but let's just do a quick deep dive into that. Before going into this, uh, you had two goals. One of them was to raise money for the city gospel mission in Cincinnati. And then one of them was to set the FKT. Talk about how both of those goals went for you uh, over the course of that journey for you. Uh, yeah, it was just uh, a magical experience, honestly. Uh, having like a, a really ambitious goal uh, and then to, to see it come to fruition is, is just uh, so, one of my, my sweetest experiences ever in running. And uh, yeah, so the the uh, city gospel that's kind of an interesting one because I um, I've kind of been a donor, but I've sent small you know 
contributions over the years. And I sent out like a check this summer it was like, not that big. It was like $25 or something like that. And, um, a lady from there actually called me and thanked me, um, for the contribution. And, uh, that was like the same day I was really contemplating, like what charity do I really want to like, uh, run for? And it just made a real positive impression. And that, that, it's kind of a lesson for all of us in life, like just appreciation, you know, like how that can make that one phone call made such an impact on me, you know, like her saying, you know, I really appreciate it. And, you know, is there anything we can do to pray for you or anything like that? And, and um, so I also was thinking about COVID-19 and uh, just the challenges that people are experiencing, you know, uh, in our communities today. And uh, that, that I think that finding some, when we're doing something with our running uh, or events, like if we, if we have like a larger um, calling or something that's really pulling at us, it means so much more to us as well. And then, and I, I've done things, but like when I first got into ultra running, I, I can remember doing a lot of like things like raising money and I, I wasn't really sure how well it would go. Um, the, the guy who uh, I contacted with them, it's like, well, you know, uh, how about we set it at $5,000? And I said, oh, I, I don't know about that. Like, I, I let's go for a goal of like 2500 And even then I thought that's going to be a big push. You know, I'm going to have to really try to like, uh, you know, contribute a lot myself or, uh, you know, have, you know, call a lot of people or something like that. And uh, so to see um, people really galvanize um, behind you know, their charity, it's uh, for raising money for, for individuals that are like in uh, homeless uh, situations and, and recovering, you know, it really made a lot, it meant a lot to me. And um, I mean, we had, we had people that donated anything from like $5 to $1,000 um, for, for their for a charity. And so when I got started in uh, Death Valley, like, one of the early moments was I think about mile 17 in uh, my team told me that we had already reached a goal of 5,000. So that wow. really touched my heart a lot. And uh, that, that, that definitely, you know, kind of cemented some, some more feelings like, you know, that this, we're going to make this happen. And so then uh, you, know, we just, I had a really extraordinary team out there. And, and also for the burning river 100, I did not mention Bridget, which my, was my crew chief along with uh, Ranjan and Alec who came out and were pacers. And that would have been a lot easier for Jennifer. She had that because <laughs> I know it would have been like an extra hour off her time at least um, because they were so incredible. And also my honey came out too, um, to pace. But, uh, you know, so when I was in uh, the Death Valley, uh, I had three phenomenal people that were with me to the 135. And then I had three Californians that joined me that were really, really incredible uh, mountain, mountain, mountaineers. And they were like a safety net. So then I felt felt comfortable pushing my battery down to like less than 1%. And so when I got to the finish, I mean, the last mile, like I, I really pushed because I was actually um, quite far behind uh, Marshall, who had the record from 1991, I was behind his time by over an hour and 15 minutes when I left the 135. And he was also incredibly supportive. 
And he's actually out there right now doing the 135 or 146 at age 69 for his 30th trip. And he's probably about at mile 90 right now. So Marshall was an inspiration as well. And he called me when I got to 135 and told me, Harvey, uh, you got to keep going and and you got to do this. And I was not feeling so hot. (laughs) And so it was a real surprise to, to be able to push through it and make it up to the top of the mountain and to have, we didn't know if we'd be the fastest time or the second fastest time, but, uh, somehow we made it. (laughs) It was pretty amazing to, to get that. That's yeah. That was, that's incredible. Especially just you having your burning over performance just to a week or so after it's just absolutely awe inspiring to kind of see both epic adventures back to back for you. So uh, it's been fun following along uh, people. If they don't follow Harvey or Jennifer on any social media, you guys got to start following these two because the, the, all they do is just absolutely incredible. Um, quick thing, Harvey, I, you have a film that's being made about you um, that was supposed to be in theaters, I believe at this time, but it's going to be a little postponed. Talk about that real quick. Well, it's, it's really about my father and, uh, and, and I, um, but he's more the star of the show. <laughs> uh, but the, the, uh, it, it, it really is a, a, a film that kind of relates to anybody. They don't have to be a runner to enjoy it. And it's, uh, it's really well, um, well done. It's, um, it's, I think it'll surprise a lot of people. It's won uh, over 10 film festivals. And uh, it was supposed to be coming out in, in this last April. We, were, we already had scheduled to go out to the premiere in LA. Uh, and unfortunately, COVID happened. So uh, I'm, I'm just like, I see everything else is happening in the world right now. And, uh, you know, this is just like, it's okay. No worries. You know, it's like, I, uh, so we're just going to roll with it. Um, but the, the, uh, distributor and the director and producer, they're, they're in a process of deciding whether or not they're going to like wait until it might be feasible to have it in a theater or if they'll just, uh, release it to streaming service. So either it will come out maybe in the next like 10 months or, it'll go to some streaming service that hopefully most people can see, you know, in, in 10 months, but it's, uh, I, I think people will enjoy it. Like it's, uh, it's, it's, it's got some comedy in there and a lot, of, I fall down a lot. So <laughs> you're laughing my bumps and this. Yeah. All right. That's, uh, that's good to hear. And we'll make sure to put, um, links to all of your social medias and, uh, maybe something about the film in the, uh, description down below. But we've got just a couple of minutes left here. I want to run through a couple of quick questions um, before you guys take off. But um, what is the one thing at an aid station that you can never leave? Go for it, Jennifer. Oh, (laughs) Um, water, (laughs) water. I drink lots of water. And I'd say one of the biggest things I put in my drop bag is headlamp. Like, you know, when it's that time to grab the headlamp, because if you forget that you're toast, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, And it looks like Wesley's having some issues here. 
Um, I'm sure we'll get that figured out in the meantime. But uh, what about you, Harvey? Uh, what can't you leave an aid station without? Yeah, it would have to be, uh, especially at Burning River, was enough liquids. Like, uh, I, I did a little bit different strategy than uh, most of the runners I saw there. I was really running light. So uh, I, I had, like, I start off with one simple hydration bottle which kind of fits nicely in my shorts. So I'm like very, um, I, I try to be as smooth as possible in terms of my form and also have this sym symmetry across my body. And so I started off that way that was fine for like the first couple hours. And then I knew as it was getting warmer, I had to add two um, bottles. So I had two simple hydration bottles. And actually most of the time when I'm doing races, I, I can get away with only like having one. So they were just, the, the aid stations were far enough apart that I had to have two. And then, uh, and then I, when it got really warm, uh, about 11 o'clock, no, maybe it was around 12, 12 to four, I actually got to a place where I was feeling a little bit dehydrated um, slightly. And so I actually added a backpack, a small running like mountain backpack. It's super, super small. And I just put my two uh, simple hydration bottles in the front and I added like a, a, bottle, a small bottle of watermelon juice or I would like rotate whatever I had in the backpack. But yeah, I needed the three bottles for about uh, three, two or three hours out there. So that means like every four, or it was 5.8 miles was the furthest distance we covered. So in 5.8 miles, I was definitely drinking three bottles of liquids. And that was sufficient, you know, for, for me. Um, but that, so liquids were really important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely seems that way. I'm trying to remember and Dr. Piperato would probably be upset at me since I don't remember this, but I think it's above 40% humidity that sweating doesn't actually cool down your body as much as, uh, the liquid that you put out. <laughs> right. So it actually sorts of, it sort of fails at that point. So you just have to continue to take in more and more liquid and you're not getting the same um, evaporative cooling effect. Don't quote me on that. Um, it's been about three years since I took human biology. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then so um, sort of keeping with this theme of um, what happened to y'all at Burning River. Um, well, how about, I got a quick question for you, Jeff. Sure. Was there any like little um something that you applied that you think may have been like um something special that helped you in the race like a little little trick you did something that that was um impacted you by the finish line i don't uh not really not that i can think of I'll, i can tell you the opposite though is i kept i stuffed my pack way too full like i carried a really heavy pack the entire time which was kind of dumb because the aid stations were so close, but I was thinking, I was debating, like, do I fill the bladder up really full and then I don't have to stop, you know, or do I go lighter? I think in hindsight, I would definitely go lighter. And I was having issues with the eating thing. So I kept shoving more gels and bars in, but I wasn't eating. them. <laughs> so I think I was, you know, getting that ultra brain rate. So, um, so no, but I, but I learned, you know, I've learned some, you know, some smarter ways to handle that in the future that I think will help. Yeah. Yeah, I know like when I left the aid station, I would always try to take one gel as well as what I would eat at the aid station. So mm -hmm. I would like kind of get my shorts and then yeah. try to eat it. And 
Um, but uh, there are a couple of small things that I did that I know make an impact. So like one thing I did is when I went by the stream, I actually like take my buff that I was using for my face mask. And I would mm-hmm. like, I, when I was in the hottest part of the day, I, I like just took water and I just like yeah. got my whole body cooled off for mm-hmm. about like 30 seconds with that water. And that, that really makes an impact. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is um, stretching. And I mean, it's very rarely that I see any runners stretching much. Mm-hmm. And I swear by that. Like, uh, yeah, I can see that. It's, it, it's a huge impact. Like uh, it will, it will take like, I mean, I'm giving away all these secrets here. <laughs> One <over. laughs> but it will make you like an hour faster in a hundred mile race. If you apply it properly, like uh, I have my, my stretch I do, it takes 40 seconds. And mm-hmm. I do that like every hour. Like I do okay. that stretch and you know, like uh, it, it makes it an incredible impact, you know, in terms of like how you feel mm-hmm. at the finish of the race. It's giant. Okay. Good advice. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And so just to be clear, you're, are you stopping and stretching during the race every hour? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was yes. going to say that. You don't see many people do that. Yeah. No, no I would say that's very different. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm in the race. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's very powerful um, to do the stretch. Uh, you know, I, I basically, um, or you can follow my, you know what, I'll, I'll do this. I'll, I'll post a picture tomorrow. I uh, follow my, my Facebook and I'll, I'll post a picture of my stretch tomorrow. Um, awesome. but there's basically, I usually find a tree and I like stretch my hamstring, my quad. I like do like uh, the simple little yoga move where you, you sit down, uh, you're not, you're, you squat down on one leg and you cross your leg over the other one. So you get your mm-hmm. hip and then I, um, reach my, my leg back, um, stretch my quad that way. I lean into my hamstring. I also stretch my calves and I usually do something like this with my arms, bam, like 40 seconds. Oh, it's huge, like huge. Like your, your, your form is going to be so much stronger, giant, like giant impact. So, you know, at the end of the race, you're going to feel really strong, but very few people apply that. Like, I mean, even mm-hmm. when I'm doing the 24 hour world championship, you know, um, I do that like methodically. You know, it's like, um, it, and then when I'm running that race, I'll, I'll run the f- same speed the last, you know, two hours or three hours that I, that I have the whole race, you know, consistently. That's how I did it uh, in the world championship where I ran like 160 miles in, in October is that that stretching is so crucial. It, it makes such an impact. It's tough. But That's I to do it. <laughs> so, cause some people perceive it as you're injured or it's a weakness. So mm-hmm. I'm careful on how I do it. So if I'm racing Michael Owens, for example, for example, <laughs> a hundred dollars, uh, I'm not going to do it while I'm right next to him. I would go sneak around, the, like get ahead of him a little bit or, you know, go behind him and then, then do the stretch. So he doesn't think, Oh, Harvey's injured. I'm coming get him now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I still haven't had a rematch. You know, he got me in that, uh, he got me in Mohican uh, back, uh, I think it was four years ago. And uh, we had a good race and it was a lot of fun. So I have a story about that race. So I was, it was my first 50. 
So I was a young ultra runner back in the day. And I came in the mile 44 and you two came, you came in first at my, you were at mile 77, came into that aid station right before the last, the last one, like seven miles to go before the end of the loop. You came in and then Michael came in a couple minutes after and I saw you guys and I was just in a chair, just out of it. <laughs> and you guys came in, you in and out in two minutes. And so I feel like everyone uh, watching this probably has an amazing Harvey Lewis story and whatnot. And so that was mine from that race specifically. But, but Michael is a, thank you very much. And that's so cool to share that My, Michael, he's a fantastic guy, you know, so uh, he's such an incredible runner too. So it's always fun to, you know, challenge each other a little bit. Definitely, definitely. So obviously, I don't, this, don't ever want. I don't want to be racing him in a five k or anything like that. <laughs> even like, <laughs> even a fifty k is rough against Michael. <laughs> I, need a little, I need a little more distance than that. <laughs> well, you guys had a good battle at the quarantine backyard ultra. That was kind of yes. Yeah, so that was that was a a unique race that was a once in a lifetime. You know, it's uh that that race was uh, you know it's just like that. That was kind of a kickoff for like the whole like virtual racing that has that that's kind of happened um, in terms of ultra running. And it was so neat to see people in like Australia running around a bar that was like the size of this room and people on their like flats in, in France. I mean, it was just amazing to see all those people. Uh, the lady from uh, Sweden that, or yeah, I think it was Sweden uh, that was running up in the, the frozen tundra. That was phenomenal. But I did find it is challenging running a virtual race uh, when you don't have any competition and you're just running in your own neighborhood. <laughs> this is really tough. It's, 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 re it's tougher than a normal race because you don't have anyone else to kind of give you a little challenge or, like, or run along with. It's, it makes it really tough. Yeah, no, that was, that was one of that was one of the most exciting weekends of the year for me. It's just like staying up basically the whole time and watching you guys just do your thing there. That was super fun to watch. Uh, for everyone watching this, if you made it this far, uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, click the bell so you make sure that you get notified when we have the next guests on and whatnot. We still got some time here. We're going long tonight, but that's okay because this show has been absolutely awesome and I'm totally fine with going. We can go another two hours. Jen's got the coffee. We're, we're fine. Here. <laughs> maybe, maybe not two okay. hours, Wesley. <laughs> okay. It'll just be me. Cam, I know we have a couple more rapid fire questions that will make them super short here before we get out of here with these two awesome guests. Yeah. Um, so our last two questions right here, Jen, you can lead us off, but it's, uh, if ultra running had walk-up songs like baseball, what would yours be? Believer by Imagine Dragons. Okay. I love that and, song. And what about you, Harvey? Man, that's, that's tough. See, I, it would have to be some sort of soundtrack. Like I, I love soundtrack music. So, uh, you know, I, my, my pacer, um, Alec, he was, he was playing, uh, the uh, Rocky music at one point, like mile 91. <laughs> so we'll go with that this week, but I would definitely have to rotate every week. But yeah. definitely these soundtracks. I love, I, I love those um, John Williams scores. Like they're just, you know, really incredible. And they just get you kind of like psyched up. And, uh, and, and I think music has that power. Mm -hmm. totally. Do you guys ever get like a runner, runner's high? Cam or, or Wesley or Jennifer, do you ever get that like runner's high? Like yes, where you, you know, it's like you're at, you're at a music concert and you're, or you're driving down like in a, in a convertible and 
when you're running, you just feel like. Yep. Yep. I remember the end of Grindstone. I don't know what happened, but the last like 20 miles I put on music, had a grilled cheese and coffee and I was on top of the world. Like, you know, it was just like the best 20, 30 miles of my life. <laughs> so yeah, I, th I think the power of music is amazing. I don't listen to it much in races though. Like, I don't know. I should probably do more of that. Maybe it'd help me be faster. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I never use music, but I turned it on for my Shawnee adventure that I did uh, a couple months ago and use it for like the whole night section because I was solo. So I just, something to have in the background and not just my thoughts all night. So <laughs> that can, yeah, that can be scary, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And then here's our last question of the night for y'all. Uh, but if you could run with one person from the history of the world, even if they aren't a runner, you know, literally anybody, right? We'll just say that for the purpose of this question, they'll be able to keep your pace and go as long as you want. Uh, who would it be? Can I pick these two? Uh. <laughs> Thank you, man. I think we might be able to make that happen, Wesley. I can take Harvey. Whatever you want, we're going to run in Great Seal or something. We'll meet up. Definitely. That'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, that's a really tough one. There's so many great options. How about Amelia Earhart? Love or Harvey Lewis. Well, geez, I mean, that's very kind of you. Run up down New Richmond. You remember New Richmond, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Very, I have another side story, but I'll talk about that one another time. <laughs> uh, okay. this summer I did this kayaking journey from Columbus to Cincinnati, and that mm -hmm. was really the training that got me ready for uh, the 146 and the Burning River 100. But I'll, I'll tell you guys about that another time. <laughs> okay. It was like a five day journey on the in a, in a past New Richmond after going through the lock system, and it was it, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, oh, that's really cool. That kayak journey. Never in my life further than 15 miles, but that that was it was 240 some miles, uh, just stunning. Wow. But um, my father, I'd say, like uh, running with my father's, uh, it would be he doesn't really run too much, but occasionally he does kind of run, uh, even though he shouldn't be running, <laughs> probably. But um, on the Appalachian Trail, my dad got really. Um, he really got into it and uh, he's in good shape for hiking, but he would occasionally just decide he was going to just run along with me, even though he doesn't run at all. And I'd say, dad, don't run. <laughs> That's dangerous. Cause there were like all these roots and rocks and, and I kept on falling down all the time, but amazingly he never fell down. I don't know how he did it, but uh, running with my father would be, you know, the icing on the cake at any time. Or just hiking awesome. or doing or whatever yeah. else it might be. That's a great answer. I, I'm always shocked at like the general wholesomeness of these answers. I always expect like somebody super famous or like a past president or something. Or yeah. us. No one said us. <laughs> no, no, Darn. Yeah. We're, we're pretty answer, accessible, I, Wesley. Maybe next episode. You. Maybe next episode. <laughs> Amelia was a good one. Yeah. It, yeah. Character. <laughs> But the other uh, person that really, uh, I, I, I would, if it was someone from history, would be Muhammad Ali. You know, I mean, yes. Muhammad Ali, I feel like he was the greatest um, sports athlete of all time because 
he not only uh, embodied like the incredible sportsman he was, but it was everything he did was for a greater purpose. It wasn't about mm-hmm. just sports at all. The sports were just a matter to introduce the man to the stage. So, I mean, the fact that he gave up his title for his beliefs and, you know, he did so much for the downtrodden. And uh, if you haven't been to the Louisville Museum, uh, it's it's absolutely stunning, phenomenal. And definitely recommend it. It's like one of the best places you could go in, uh, for a museum and be inspired. So uh, Ali would definitely be the one. We'll take a Ridge Runners road trip and uh, get there down you there. Go. See? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for having us. Yeah, thank yep. you guys yeah. so much for joining us. Jennifer, this is only the, the first of many uh, <laughs> champion races. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Before, before we well, get out of here, what, what do you guys have, like any sponsor plugs or anything you want to share with us one more time? So Ridge Hunter Nation, I know how they are. They want to know what everyone on the show is up to and what they're uh, what what is, uh, for all of you guys, what is the next uh, type of event that you also want to do? I'd be curious to hear both uh, Cam and Wesley and Jennifer as well. What's the next event you might be doing? Like even with the COVID, like maybe you're looking to the winter or spring or beyond. I'm, I've got a few things I'm looking at for the fall. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. And so much, it depends on, you know, what looks like it might be canceled, but I am, I do for sure. Well, hopefully if anything's for sure, I've got Bigfoot 200 rescheduled for next summer. So that, that's a big thing for me. Super exciting, kind of a little bit, a little bit more of a challenge. So it should be fun. Yeah. Mine's a little. Climbing, climb, how much climbing is in Bigfoot 200? 44, 42,000, something like that. Yeah, as a, as a and it's in the wilderness. You have how often on, might you have an aid station? So it's out there. It is super remote. It's a point to point, and it's um, there are many aid stations where it's twenty miles, which they, they say can easily be you know ten plus hours, kind of you know yeah, so between aid. And are so you allowed to have anyone as uh, a pacer with you after like a hundred miles or no? You can, I probably will just fly solo out there. My family, this summer we were supposed to go. My whole family was coming, the kids, everybody, we had this great trip planned and then oh, COVID. Right. But, uh, but no, I've, I was planning, I've got a sister who lives out that way and she runs. So she might do a little bit with me, but I was pretty much going to just go solo. And how many people are in the race? Uh, 200-ish, I want to say. And then they yeah. do have a 50, I think they have a 50, a 70, and a 100 maybe. I can't remember. So, you know, it'll be interesting. I, I spent a lot of time this summer out at Shawnee doing some nighttime and others just by myself because I'm like, you know, I might, I may not see anybody hardly out there. You know what I mean? Just over that, it's such a big country and over that expanse. So kind of terrifying, yeah. but yeah, super exciting. Katra does that race, um, who I'm friends with. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it is going to be very interesting because it's got such yeah. a different specialization you have to adapt yeah. to. Okay. Right. How about but I'm used to carrying a heavy pack, so, you know, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so for me, if, if I can get off for work, I'd love to be back to the Shawnee 50. That's that's my probably main staple race every single year going forward. Um, after that, I'll be in OBU. Uh, I should definitely be there for that race. I saw Harvey, you might still be there. I know you're on the entrance list. And then after that, in December, I've got another big adventure planned. 
uh, kind of just flying solos or just uh, another just adventure, running adventure. So I'll leave it at that. Okay. Cam? Yeah. And um, well, between graduate school and a, a stress fracture that I got right before Ooh. COVID started, I'm really just trying to uh, go for a nice like 25 to 30 mile long run uh, with some of my friends again. That's what yeah. I'm really looking forward to. I'm not going to lie. And how about Are you, you Ernie? What was that? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jennifer. Oh, no, I just said, well, let finish your thought. I was asking what you're up to, but good. Oh, yeah. Cam. Are you able to hike like now, Cam? Are you back to hiking or you still have to go easy on it? Uh, I've been trying to build back up to running. I did, I think, 30 miles last week, but then um, I just started. I'm working uh, and I moved back to Columbus and between the move and starting to work, I kind of was burning the candle at both ends and, you know, right. I feel like I just need to get some good sleep this week. Yeah. Sleep is so important, especially for that injury and healing. But in uh, like uh, any bit you can do like more on, I, I learned from uh, Michael Wardian, like the more you can go on the soft surface, uh, the better versus the concrete. You know, with that injury as you're recuperating and yeah. re rotating in the shoes if you can. Yeah. But, it's, well, cool. It sounds very nice, guys. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, my big uh, event coming up will be the Pigs Backyard, which is uh, down in Laz's property in, mm -hmm. in Tennessee, and that's going to be coming in October. So I'm preparing for many uh, sleepless nights yeah. <laughs> and um, already practicing my four minute nap, you know? So, there you uh, go. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So that, that'll be my, my major endeavor for the fall that I, I plan. Who knows? Maybe I'll throw in a couple other little adventures. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. We'll have to try to get you on after that to talk about that experience as well. Cause I know everyone will want, will want to hear that as well. Um, thank you both so much for coming on tonight. It was amazing to talk to you guys. We super long episode, but every single minute of it was just awe-inspiring. So thank you both for coming on. Uh, we're going to put your guys' social media and what on in the description of this video. So you can follow these two and see what they're up to uh, going forward and whatnot. So uh, Jennifer, uh, Harvey, thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. It was awesome, guys. All right. We'll see you guys thank next you guys. time. Yeah. Okay. See you guys soon. Thanks everyone to watch. Bye. Thank you. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning into another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava club so you can get mentioned in the Strava rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Version Our Nation. Mm -hmm.